You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. College basketball fans, join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year at DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets. That's correct, $200 in free bets. It's that simple. If they win, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still join the College Hoops action with DraftKings Pools. Everyone can play free pools all March long for a shot at a share of over $250,000 in prizes. Crazy. Simply join a pool and answer questions like, who will make it to the next round? And who will hit the most three-pointers? Then track your results. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code TBPN. That's TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 plus, restrictions apply. Carter comes up shooting. Welcome to 95 to Infinity Podcast. I am Brandon Kajoka joining you on a beautiful Wednesday afternoon. Hope you guys are having a fantastic week so far. It's been a pretty big week being a Torontonian. We are living in a maskless world. I can go to work without a mask. I can walk out of my condo and take my dog outside without a mask. So it's, it's pretty amazing. It's a pretty amazing time to be a Torontonian. And joining me, as usual, is Christian Wolfgang Graffin. Graffin, how are you enjoying this maskless world we're living in right now? Not to get too political here, but I'm still wearing a mask when I go inside places. I'm kind of shocked that you wore a mask to walk your dog, though. Can you please explain? No, I don't wear a mask to walk my dog. What I was saying is that when I leave my condo and I go downstairs, I have to wear a mask to take my dog out. And it's really nice just to be able to walk outside without having to put a mask on. You know, you got your keys, you got your wallet, you got your phone, and you got your mask. You know, it's just another thing that I don't have to constantly bring with me. Ah, I see, I see. Well, I will see you in a lockdown in three months, my friend. <laughs> well, you know what? Ignorance is bliss, and I'm going to enjoy these couple months of... Um, you know, having the uh, the old the old uh, mouth guard off or what the hell you call them. There are 
there are three people I know of that have gotten COVID in the last week. It's pretty well, crazy. I got, it, I got it. I got it. I am not muzzled anymore. There we go. Uh, yeah, you know, it's it's definitely still an issue. But, you know, if, if the government says it's okay, then, you know, I, I probably should think differently. But you know what? Fuck it. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure it has nothing to do with the election coming up. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> um, let, let's get to the topic at hand, and that is Raptors basketball. It was an interesting week for the Toronto Raptors. Uh, a couple losses, a big win against the 76ers. To start off with the Los Angeles Lakers, Toronto Raptors. I was actually at that game, and I was quite shocked to see how many Lakers fans were out there. It's actually kind of, like, irritating. Like, if you're Toronto, like from Toronto and you're openly supporting Los Angeles Lakers, you're kind of a dick, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I mean, I think most of them are LeBron fans, no? Like, I don't think there was one, you know, uh, I don't know, Austin Reeves fan at the game, was there? They're I'm, all here for DJ, I'm here for DJ Augustine only. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so obviously that game went to overtime. Clutch game from Russell, Russell Westbrook. Uh, big three-pointer to tie up the game. And bring which we talked about. Yeah, I wish Greg was here to make us eat our words, but whatever. He is out living his life. Uh, busy, unfortunately. We both wanted Russ to have a good game, mainly because of that stupid video that leaked that showed that dumbass Toronto fan basically telling him he was cool and he loves him and then running away and calling him a goof or something. So, no, I'm I'm really happy Russell Westbrook. Um, I mean, I, ho- I wish he didn't beat us, but I was happy he had a good game. Yeah, and I think takeaways from that game just kind of seeing in person. Um, the biggest thing, like honestly, that really hit me, and it was more obvious in the first half of the game. But I just was so impressed with Precious Achua's energy. Um, you know, sometimes it's tough to have an irrational confidence guy, but you know, when he gets going, he gets going, and you know, it's nice to have a little bit of an offensive presence from big man for a change in the Raptors. You know, I, I think our center position has been devoid of much offensive. Uh, talent so it's great to see pressures to kind of come in and and sort of you know carve his mark in the starting rotation or at least becoming a rotation guy you know in lieu of the playoffs yeah it's interesting because Ken Birch has gotten most of the opportunity especially recently but when you look at that game specifically it was almost like the big turnaround game where precious I mean you've seen it in the last two games Philly and uh and Chicago that that Precious has like has inserted himself into the starting lineup, and of course, it's because Gary or Fred Van Vliet haven't been there, but they're playing the two of them together. So, look, Nurse loves he loves Ken Birch. He he won't even he refuses to take him out of the lineup even when Precious is in the starting lineup. But in that game against the Lakers, you're right. Uh, Precious had 36 minutes, I believe, and Kem had like 17. He basically took over because Kem just can't provide really much on offense at all. He can't hit a floater. He has nothing really close to the basket. And he looks to kick it out every single time the ball goes down low to him. So, yeah, I'm happy too. Pressure. That was the the one of the many games, I think, probably his best game. I'll go that far. His best game since the All-Star break. And there's been a lot of them. I don't want to necessarily call him a depending on the match, that'd be probably more realistic to four based on his size limitations. But, you know, having a big man who can score is in, in kind of, you know, protect the post is, you know, an ideal situation for the Raptors. You know, like you got to think like it's Mark Gasol was probably the last guy realistically that provides stability in the center position. You know, Aaron Baines was, you know, a catastrophe at center. As you said, Ken Burke doesn't really move the needle that much. So it's kind of cool to see someone, you know, that we definitely had a high hopes for, especially coming in from Miami in the Kyle Lowry trade. 
um, actually kind of fulfill his uh, you know draft position, his draft pedigree, the expectations for him coming out of college. Are you are you disrespecting Chris Boucher, bro? <laughs> you know, it's really tough to have a 48-year-old man on the team, but, you know, Slender God still gets it done, right? Yeah, he's another Slim. guy who played fantastic against the Lakers. Really great game against the Lakers. Um, going, like, obviously going to touch base on uh, Philadelphia. It's kind of old news, though. The Raptors did play yesterday in Chicago Bulls, dropping the game 113-99. What was the biggest issue impacting the Raptors, Raptors last night? You know, 14-point difference against the Chicago Bulls. You know, one of the several teams in Eastern Conference that are ahead of us right now. You know, the playoffs, as I mentioned, are coming sooner than later. You know, we need to get these wins. I really get out of a play-in situation. What went wrong last night? Well, fatigue. I mean, in my opinion, they were just they were just so fucking tired. Scotty specifically, but I mean the whole roster. Everyone looked tired. Um, we didn't bring it really in the second half when Chicago went on that run, even though we were kind of close. And then turnovers. I mean, the Raptors do such a, or did such a good job uh, against Philly of of basically crashing the glass and and basically outworking them. That, that's the overall theme you see with the Raps, right? Is when they outwork an opponent. Um, they they win the game uh, against Chicago. You can't really go down to a team like the Bulls because well, then they can just give the ball the ball to Demar and he just hits a two every time. And Zach Levine went nuts in the third quarter. So how, turnovers and points off turnovers. That's why we lost. How far can a team go if their identity is you know uh, that blue collar work ethic, that grit and grind? You know, like there's obviously limitations as to how to play. You can see the you know, the the uh, the mid. 2000 you know memphis grizzlies um how high is the ceiling for the raptors if their identity is not rooted through necessarily talent but through team cohesion and grit well we haven't been healthy and when we were healthy we went on that huge winning streak so uh look i I would say right now because of the injuries that we're managing because og and og's been out since the start of march uh, Fred has been off and on. Gary now all of a sudden has a bit of an injury. Siakam was sick at the beginning of the year. We've we're like we're relying on players. Like we just signed Armani Brooks and he's getting like he started again. So we're just piecing things together right now. A fully healthy Raptors team is completely different from the team makeup you see right now. Right now, gritting and grinding it out is the reason why we're still in this seventh seed, trying to get a six seed playoff hunt because it's the only way to win right now. But I think that when we have our full roster, when we're fully healthy, um, we're, we're a hard to look, no team in the East would want to face us. And I think that was most evident against the 76ers who are second place right now. I mean, they could be third, but there's they're, they're second or third place right now above Above the Bucks, they just beat the Heat last night again without having him beat or Harden. Like, you know, this is the the East is so close right now that I would put the Raptors and Brooklyn, of course, who's who's beneath us, in that spot of anything could happen in the playoffs. One through seven. It's a great thing to have sort of a second year or second identity, especially with injuries in consideration. You know, Uh, I think it's a testament to Nick Nurse to really sort of, you know, figure out what he has, utilizing certain players' situations and not being afraid to start a guy like Brooks if it does make sense, right? You know, for me, you look at the Los Angeles Lakers and they don't have that second identity. You know, they're purely dependent on their talent. You know, the grit, the grind, the sort of identity basketball doesn't really exist. And I think there's many teams in the league that don't have that sort of opposite side. So it's really kind of refreshing to see the Raptors in a time where we should be losing, at least keeping the ship afloat. For sure. I mean, um, beating Philly... In Philly that night was pretty 
was pretty good, right? Like that, that win felt like it was, it was a playoff style atmosphere. Whereas the Chicago game, honestly, we just look so tired. I don't know how many, this is the other thing I have. This is my graphs gripe for the week, but how many <laughs> back to backs are you going to give the Raptors in March? Like it's fucking borderline ridiculous that we have what I think 11 games and like 15. It's just, it makes no sense. The Raptors schedule down the stretch here. And I'm just waiting because I know teams like the Bulls who have a harder schedule coming down the stretch, uh, even Cleveland, like there are teams that are just barely in front of us that are going to have to face the same thing that we just went through. Like we're just getting out of it now. We have, I think, three days because our next game's on Thursday. I bet you the players are just shocked that they're not playing tomorrow night because it must feel like every other night, Max, they have to get on the court. They have to get on a plane. They have to... I know you and I like to joke, you know, oh, you have to travel first class to go to another city. But shit, when you arrive in in Chicago after coming from Philadelphia at 3.30 in the morning, yeah, that – and you have to play that night? Like, I don't care. I don't care who you are. That screws with you. It screws this, with you mentally 100%. This, this isn't, you know, baseball where, you know, you physically – the way the games are made, you can definitely do back-to-backs, hence the 162-game season – you know, hockey, you know, is a little bit different as well. It's quick spurts of burst. You know what I mean? You're not constantly on the ice the entire time. Some of these guys in the NBA are playing 40 minutes a game. The physical toil of, uh, like, of having to be physically involved and be in the court, it, it's, it's crazy. It's like running a marathon and running another one the next day. I, they should really reconsider the back-to-backs, especially in a sport like the NBA. <laughs> For sure. And you, you see it in the young players right now, like Scotty Barnes and, honestly, Precious looked really – Precious looked off last night, especially after he looked so good against Philly being in the starting lineup. He's one of those players, though, that he's so young. Um, the whole Raptors team is so young that there's just going to be some nights where it's going to be a learning curve. And you asked me earlier, you know, how far do I think the team could really get based off of grit and grind? And to be honest with you, I don't think like an Eastern Conference, an Eastern Conference finals with this Raptors team this year would be the biggest accomplishment, arguably including the goddamn championship. Like that's how crazy it would be. If they could do that in their first year of a quote unquote rebuild, that would be, that would be fucking nuts, right? (laughs) Like they're, they're lucky. And I don't say lucky, but let's just say they face, I don't know, Boston in the first round. If they take them to seven games and end up losing, that's a this entire season has been worth it, has been successful, and we can build off of it, in my opinion. But not not to mention, given Scotty Barnes, you know, a little bit of playoff reps and experience, you know, doesn't hurt as well. All of them, right? Like everybody, all the young players. Fuck, even Banton and and you know, Malachi. Shit, yeah, exactly, Malachi. Like just to, for them to have that experience, be on national TV, to to really just play games that actually matter where you you know the opponent cares as much as you do about the game. Because, again, who knows? There are some games like last night where I'm sure Chicago felt, eh, the Raptors, even though, look, because right now we're right neck and neck with Cleveland. Cleveland lost last night to the Lakers. The window was open for us to take the sixth spot there. And the, the Raptors just couldn't 
They just couldn't do it. Like I just, in my mind, after the third quarter, the game was chalked. You could just tell from the way they were playing. And trust me, I know the Raptors come back in so many games, but in the back of my mind, I'm just going, why is Fred Van Vliet out there? Just save this man's knees. Um, We don't need this. Save it for the playoffs because we've already played so many minutes this year. So yeah, I don't know. I I, I think overall, like it's just, this stretch is going to be really, really important coming into the playoffs and we'll probably end up the seventh seed as long as we end up the seventh seed instead of the eighth seed so that we can play Brooklyn at home. That's all that matters right now to me. My big thing last night as well is on having Gary Trent in the lineup as well. You know, he's such a incredible floor spacer, someone who is unique in his yep. skill in comparison to other guys in the league, especially the two guard or sorry, other players on the team. Uh, and Gary Trent, two guard. He's, he's like the weird player that, other players need to hit their like free throws and layups in order to get their three pointer going. He's like the exact opposite. He needs to hit his three pointers in order to get everything else in his game going. Cause there are times where he drives at the basket and it's like an easy, not an easy layup, but you know, a, a somewhat contested left-handed and he will just bank it off the board and clank it right off the rail. Like it, it's he can play so good and so bad, but again, that comes back to the same thing. We're we're so young that you're going to live with those mistakes. And you're you're right. Nick Nurse has done a good job of, of sort of strategizing each game to sort of take out the opponent's star and, and give us a chance. It's all about the adjustments. All right, looking down the line this upcoming Thursday against the Cleveland Cavaliers, tip off at seven thirty. Showdown between two frontrunners for Rookie of the Year, Evan Mobley, and obviously Scotty Barnes. What kind of adjustments you want to see? Big loss against the Bulls. Uh, what kind of improvements? What would you? What do you want to see from the team uh, this upcoming Thursday? Well, it's gonna be it's it's game of the year, right? Like essentially, if we lose that game, then there is no chance we'll get the sixth seed in my mind because I don't think Cleveland's gonna really tank down the stretch. So it, it's sort of a it's sort of a must win. Um, would you say it's it's a home game? Um, there's gonna be no Jared Allen because of of course he got injured against us last time. I mean, I, for me, it's gonna be containing Darius Garland, like. Even though last night against the Lakers, Garland went completely off. I think he had 17 assists and like 30 points or something like that, and they still lost. I think you can you can sort of give it to Mobley, force Mobley to be that guy, um, especially down low without Jared Allen, and then just rely on crash doing the same things we've done that get us wins throughout the entire entirety of March, which is you know just getting to the boards, especially offensive rebounds, and then hitting your free throws. Those are two things that have sort of I don't want to say killed us, but they've kept the opponent, the opponent's team in the game a lot of the time too. So those two things for me, and of course being healthy, like if Gary and Fred both play against Cleveland, I'm expecting a win no matter what. And I just broke my pen. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> the enthusiasm is an all time high. From I'm so upset. <laughs> break, breaking pens. Um, all right. So the second half of the pod, we kind of want to take a look at the 2013 NBA draft. It's largely recognized as one of the worst drafts of all time. Sorry, I just kind of sat on my dog's shoe toy. Uh, 2013 is one of the worst drafts of all time. Obviously, Anthony Bennett went number one. He was probably mocked around 9, 10. It was a complete shock to everyone. It was really cool to see a Canadian guy going number one. But, you know, the pressure involved with their own selection as well as his talent, you know, he definitely was – arguably the worst first overall pick of all time but there are some hidden gems in this draft there are some really great players and we wanted to do a redraft a top 10 redraft um looking at you know some of the marquee players maybe that went a little bit later or when drafted 
So we're going to look at the team. We're going to look at stylistic fit and the hypothetical future of the organization drafting the said guy. So Graf, I'm going to give you number one. The Cleveland Cavaliers are not selecting Anthony Bennett. The Cleveland Cavaliers are selecting someone pretty obvious. I think we're on the same page right here. Yeah, of course. Um, Lucas Noguera, right? Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I was more thinking on the Shabazz Muhammad, but. <laughs> no, look, Milwaukee got a steal, right? Number 15. Giannis, the skinniest kid coming into the NBA at the time, you would have never thought he'd fill in and become what he is now. I mean, of course, he had the raw talent and the raw skill, but I don't think people saw, you know, this much of a transformation in terms of back-to-back MVPs and then, I mean, arguably this year MVP. The most interesting about this, though, with Cleveland taking him is that, A, does do they go out and bring back LeBron to the fold? Or if they bring back LeBron to the fold, does that hinder Giannis's evolution to becoming the player he is right now? And that's such a big hypothetical in the situation. Like, would Giannis be the player he is now if he went to Cleveland? I think he would have got there even faster. I mean, look, I know that playing with LeBron, you end up being like the second sort of fiddle or whatever, but he could have easily played off LeBron. LeBron could play more of the point guard style and he didn't need to score as much, but, but no, you're right. It's something worth considering, right? Would Giannis ever turn into the MVP candidate? Maybe, maybe not, but I don't know. Uh, LeBron seems to, um, I don't know. People like to look at LeBron and say like, he's like a teammate killer. Like in the sense that like Dwayne Wade had to take a second, like a, mm-hmm. a back seat and Kevin Love had to take a back seat. But you talk to any of these guys or you hear interviews with them and they all say LeBron was like the best teammate they've ever had. So I don't know. It's, it's hard for me from an outsider perspective. I agree with you. But once you kind of look at some of these players, they're all like, no, 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 no. We, we won because of LeBron. So therefore, fuck everything um, that other, other people are saying. I love how he came to our team. But anyways, I digress. Cleveland, they would have been a lot better taking Giannis than Anthony Bennett, who I feel really bad for as well. But that's my number one pick. All right, I'm going number two, and I got the Orlando Magic. And there's two names that come to mind here. The, I'm not going to mention them because obviously we're going to drop them both of them later. But the, I'm, I'm, I could have taken a guard here. But, you know, in retrospect, I'm going with the obvious choice. That's Rudy Gobert. You know, if they selected Rudy Gobert at the number two position, you got to kind of think to yourself, how would their draft strategy change after that selection? Because, you know, in You know, there's like a lot of big men that are drafted and, you know, you see what happened in Orlando is the redundancy of that position and not, and you're kind of seeing that that mistake by drafting Jalen Suggs and Kalanthony back to back. But, you know, if they, if they just, you know, draft Gobert in 2013, that changes everything about the draft for them going down the road. Maybe they're going after Zach Levine. You know, 2016, for example, maybe they're going after someone like, I don't know, like, um, I, I, I'm, I'm spitballing on top of my head, but a Karis Levert or uh, Malik Beasley or something, you know? I just think that'd be a smart decision, having a good low poke present like Rudy Gobert and just be able to fill your roster instead of just drafting a bunch of hypothetical big guys. No, I, I think that makes sense. He's transcendent, right? Like, I don't know if you heard... Uh... If you heard my boy JJ Reddick's podcast, but pretty much anybody who talks about him, like specifically Patrick Beverly, 
was like, this guy literally has changed the game. Like you can't go down low. He drops on everything. And you know, he, I don't want to say he can guard one through five because he certainly gets exposed outside, but there is nobody better that protecting the rim than Gobert. And you're right. He would have been, he would have been sort of that, you know, for Orlando, he probably would have been that like Dwight Howard continuation ish kind of player. Right. They played really big and then just had a bunch of three point shooters. They could have continued that trend and been known as like that sort of style of a team. So I, I like the pick. Um, you got number num- three, Washington wizards. And let's keep in mind, they have a pretty solid backcourt that time. They have John Wall and Bradley Beal. Do you go for redundancy or do you go for a different position? Now, this is where, for me, because, fuck, I'm still going to draft CJ McCollum. CJ McCollum, for me, is someone that, look, just look what he's doing at the Pelicans right now, right? And we've already seen CJ McCollum become the second best player on a team when... Obviously, Damian Lillard's been there. He's been there his whole career. But keep in mind, the first two years of CJ McCollum, he was 22 and 23 when he entered the league. He averaged 5.3 and 6.8 points. So it's not like his first two seasons were crazy anyways. And you forward down the line to 2015, 2016 um, Washington Wizards, they really, really, really could have used that guard help. Um, He went from 6.8 points in 2014-15 to 20 points the following year. So clearly it's about talent. Like he had, he just didn't have the opportunity, right? And any time in Washington when John Wall or Bradley Beal, because they both had sort of their injury issues, he would have slotted in perfectly. He would have been like the James Harden on OKC there. He would have been basically a player that everyone would think is going to, could be or should be in the starting lineup. And he would have made that team look way better. The Washington Wizards, against the Raptors did a pretty goddamn good job, even though, you know, I think they swept us the one year, like they were a good team. Like they were not, they were not always the Washington wizards that they are right now with the Chris Stapps, Przingis, but CJ McCollum for me, there would have been a much better pick than Otto Porter jr. Cause like you and I were saying, I don't know what the hell happened to Otto Porter jr, but he's only like 30 years old. And this guy looks like he is 40 right now. So <laughs> yeah, taking CJ. Trying to think of their roster. Obviously, Kemba Walker, Michael K. Gilchrist, pick one spot after Anthony Davis. I, they brought in Bismack Biombo. We need some shooting. We need a two guard. And we're going with the most obvious choice here, baby. And we're going Mr. Victor Oladipo. You know, before his injury, you know, even before his, you know, peak as an all star. He was a pretty decent, you know, combo guard, you know, great playmaker, good shooter, can drive through the lane, you know, and obviously develop into an NBA all-star, all-NBA guy. So, you know, looking at the situation, you know, you want to def- – like, I, 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 I don't see anyone else that would make sense on the Charlotte Bobcats, especially if they're devoted to any talent whatsoever. No, I, I mean – Shit. Uh, it's kind of the same for my next pick, right? With Phoenix, like Phoenix looked like shit as well. Their best player was Eric Bledsoe at the time. So yeah, two teams that were pretty much in need of someone. Um, you went with Oladipo, you said? Yep. <laughs> you got the yeah, Phoenix Suns. You got the Phoenix motherfucking Suns. Yeah, I'm that's a good think, 
I'm trying to think of like like what these teams were like back in that era, you know? Well, it was Eric Bledsoe. I mean, they took Alex Len, which is, you know, the big man, even though they had both Morris brothers at the time. Um, Goral you know, Dragic. Goral, man. Just a name that everyone in Toronto loves. Um, yeah. Like, like, let's get three point guards. Let's get fucking Eric Bledsoe. Let's get Goran Dragic. And let's get uh, Isaiah Thomas. So I can't remember yeah. what the three point guards were. <laughs> No, look, if you, if, okay, let's just. Don't draft the point guard. Do not draft the point guard. No, I'm saying I'm sticking with the big man here. And I'm going with Steven Adams. Um, Steven Adams is that player that, first of all, he's like the best teammate ever. Everybody seems to love him. Um, He ended up, of course, going to OKC where he was used. I mean, shit. You could have put almost anyone who's seven foot at center there when they had Durant, Harden, and Westbrook, and he would have looked good. But Steven Adams actually like carved his own little role for himself too. Not only was he sort of the glue guy in terms of the rebounding and the, you know, the hustle plays essentially, but shit off court and his stature and like the tattoos, the, the, the whole look that Steven Adams brings. First of all, he looked way different when he first came in the league, but that's the kind of guy that I want on my team. I want a Steven Adams holding it down at center. I'm not saying they could have built off of Steven Adams, obviously, but he's one of those pieces that shit. Yeah. If you start drafting around that, of course you can start to like, start to put together a team just kind of like Memphis is doing right now. So yeah, if I'm Phoenix, instead of taking Alex Len, who I'm going to be honest, I I just think he just never has really panned out in any sense. I don't think Um, it's a matter of being honest. I think that's fact right there. Alex Len has never looked like a competent basketball player that you want from one to 10. He's a guy who's 12. He's like your third fucking option. Yes. Yes, exactly. So I will take the big man from down under. Yeah, I'm taking the New Zealander. Um, And this is when the draft falls off the face of the fucking earth. And I'm going through this list right now, and I'm looking at very few options from the New Orleans Pelicans. From my understanding, that team had no one except for Anthony Davis and Eric Gordon. I can't think of anyone else who was even, like, resembling a contributor. Maybe Al Farouk Aminu. I think he was on the team that time. So I'm looking at, like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think here. You know, do I want to go point guard? Do I want to go wing? I'm just going to go with my heart here, and I'm going to go with Dennis Schroeder to the New Orleans Pelicans. I don't know if their team's going to be that much better. Dennis Schroeder doesn't really seem like a kind of guy that's conducive to success. But going down the list of options and looking at their team needs, I'm probably going to throw them to the New Orleans Pelicans. Call me crazy. Yeah, I wouldn't say you're crazy, but that's a pretty, it's a pretty crazy pick. I mean, shit, when he was on Atlanta, the German with his little hair and everything, he was he one of the five that were all taken on the All-Star team? I can't remember. Oh, no, no, no definitely not. Definitely not. It was... Uh, it was um, uh, it was Horford, it was Josh Smith, it was Kyle Korver. You, th- you know, like if Kyle Korver got to the All Star game, then you would imagine you had to imagine that. <laughs> Schroeder was there too, right? I mean, come on, he was their point guard, was he not? He got he had to have been their starting point guard for that. Um, Don't forget, they had back to back picks, and they took Schroeder, and then they took Shane Larkin, so they clearly picked fifty percent well. Atlanta did at the time but yeah you're right look if if you're Sacramento see the only reason I'm I'm hesitant here is because instead of him I probably would have picked Robert Covington who I'm gonna pick for my next pick for Detroit Ooh, a little overlap of Rudy Gay yeah look Robert Covington is like 
he's everything modern NBA, right? Like he can guard one through four, you would say, maybe even one through five, who knows, but probably like assertively one through four. He's a three and D all the way through the core. And the guy wasn't even drafted. Like we're, I'm taking, I'm taking, I'm pulling a Fred Van Vliet here and taking someone off the board at number, what is Detroit? They're number eight. And they originally took Contavious Caldwell Pope, who I actually don't think is the worst pick. But at the time, they had like Andre Drummond and Brandon Jennings. And I mean, put it this way, Tayshaun Prince was still on the team. So you go all the way back then, they had Josh Smith. It's pretty, it's pretty crazy when you look at their roster because um, they still finished 32 and 50 that season, the next, the following year, 2014 15. So it's not like anything really changed um, with their team. Um, they even had Spencer Dinwiddie. What a crazy roster. They all ended up turning out to be decent, but just not together. DJ Augustine, look at that. Um, no, I'm, I'm taking Roko. What a roster. <laughs> What? <laughs> well, they're all like perfect seventh men right now, right? Everyone I just said, but no, Rocco is. And here, this is my this is my spiel about next year's Clippers. The Clippers are going to be really fucking good when Kawhi and Paul George play. You can see it right now. Like they're they're a play in team above the Lakers, and I think when Rocco and Norm Powell and all these guys, Reggie Jackson, um, when they all start playing together healthy they're going to be probably the favorites next year like i i don't see why they wouldn't be and i think roko is going to be a huge part of that and he was that's one of the reasons why he was traded for and he also did a good job uh in portland so no i'm going undrafted roko roberto covington uh <laughs> i'm got number eight uh i got the detroit pistons god um you know just i'm just like kind of Going back in time and just... I just did the Pistons. Going. Well, the Pistons have, like, all those bigs, I think, from my memory. Greg Monroe, oh. Andre Drummond. Okay, that was okay. the era. I think Chauncey Billups might have been there still. I can't really remember. But, um, yeah, you know, with that selection, you know, um, I'm going to use uh, Rob Point, the famous line of um, this man is basically bread that fell from heaven and that is Contavious Caldwell Pope. The bread man. Eight. The bread man is going number eight, man. He's a good three and D option, you know. And and when he did play, he was a very solid player. Hence why he got that massive contract initially from the Los Angeles Lakers. Like we're not talking about a guy who was a complete slub as a player. He was a prototypical three and D guy. It might be fall the face of the earth a little bit later in his career, but for me, looking down at these options, I feel like that would be the best bet, considering that you know Dame is already on the Portland Trailblazers. I could probably, you know, or sorry. Sorry, I had Portland. Uh, sorry, Detroit. Thinking like, like I don't know. I, I just don't see anyone else that would have fit that team at that time. Like, I just uh, Michael Carter Williams. You know, he's a good option. Gorgie Diang. Kelly Olenek. That could be a good option, but again, you know, the bread man. What? You uh, you don't believe in Reggie Bullock? Tim Hardaway Jr. <sighs> Let's look at this team. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm taking Canadian's Caldwell Pope, definitely. Beyond, I hate to like, but like, look, looking back at it, beyond Giannis and Rudy, and arguably Victor, the, 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 this is probably the worst draft class of of what the last twenty years. I've got the bread man going eight. Of course, it's the worst draft of all time. Like <laughs> Caldwell Pope should be in the twenties of any redraft. The fact that I'm taking number eight is a fucking joke within itself. Minnesota Timberwolves going number nine. The Kevin right. Love Minnesota Timberwolves. 
create. No, 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 no. This was the Kevin Garnett, Minnesota Timberwolves with Ricky Rubio. Kevin Garnett was still there at the time. Um, we're talking 2014, 2015, Minnesota. Um, they needed help in just about, uh, I'd say every area. They were not a good team. They were, I mean, if I had to give you a guess, Brandon, how many wins you think the Minnesota Timberwolves had in 2014, 2015 season, what would you say off the top of your head? Um, a full 82 game season and they win how many? 18 games. So close, but it was only 16. So, <laughs> I mean, they did not have a good roster. I think, I think Zach Levine was in his like rookie year. Probably. Um, that was probably the only good player. Ricky Rubio as well. Um, Shit, look, Thaddeus Young was there, right? The the future Raptor. Um, I'm going off the board again. I like undrafted players, so I would be taking Seth Curry here. Um, Seth Curry, Matthew Dellavedova. I already mentioned a couple of the other ones that I was thinking of because I don't get another pick, but Tim Hardaway Jr., Reggie Bullock, they were all in consideration for me, but I guess the real reason why I'm choosing Seth Curry, not Steph, but Seth, um, is because look, like if you if you look at the Brooklyn Nets now, or even Philadelphia, man, Seth Curry has just been underrated in his role, and it's because of his brother, in my opinion, too. It's because like Steph has done such a good job of obviously doing, you know, changing the game, making it a, a shooter's league, and really opening the door for his for his bro uh, Seth. But he's just as good of a shooter, and I wouldn't say just as good. He, he's a mark below Steph Curry in terms of shooting, and. That's what every fucking team in this time period needed. The, the NBA was changing. I think Golden State was just about to go on their three-peat. They were just about to start it um, or win three and four, I should say. So, yeah, this would be sort of – sorry? Yeah, sorry. No, no, sorry. Go ahead. No, this would be the, the natural step for me <laughs> considering I believe their starting shooting guard that season was Kevin Martin or – or it was Glenn Robinson the third. It was one of the two. But um, look, those obviously aren't the best options. Zach Levine was drafted as a point guard at the time, which is really weird. Um, I, I'm taking uh, Seth Curry, again, spacing the floor. Thaddeus Young is the star on this team, right? So we just got to make sure that he's surrounded by shooters. That That's my mentality here. All right, I got the last one here. We got the Portland Trailblazers, and we got a young Dane Lillard. He doesn't have a sidekick, CJ McCollum. So I'm looking down this list, and it's honestly bereft of any fucking resemblance of an option. So for me, I'm going to take someone that when I watched him in college, when he played for Kansas in college, he's someone that I thought had the prototypical skill set you'd want out of a two-guard. A guy who had incredible athleticism, can really drive to the basket and finish and someone who had to really sort of develop three point shot at that time. And obviously his career didn't go the way many people envisioned it going being the seventh selection. But I think if Ben McLemore was in a different environment and different situation, playing with stability of David Lillard point guard position, having that influence around him, having that work ethic installed in him, I feel like his career might've gone a little bit differently, but obviously this is hypothetical and he could have flamed out in a couple of years. Like, reality but you know what i feel like like i could go with him or the other guy that came to mind like honestly if i'm gonna pick is ray mccallum jr because he plays the same position as cj mccallum and his name does sound kind of familiar so that might be you know 
an option at number 10. But you know what? I'm going to go with uh, Ben McLemore in the shithole of a draft of 2013. Ray McCallum from the Detroit Mer- Mercy? <laughs> the, the Detroit Mercy. Oh, my bad, my bad, my bad. You're right, you're right, you're right. What about... Well, um? Some, let's go over some names that were in selected. We got Cody Zeller, <clears throat> Nerns Noel. <clears throat> Trey Burke might be interesting, actually. Nerns Noel wasn't, is not the, is not that not that bad i don't think he's not very good either <laughs> uh, <laughs> i mean yeah i mean but look if you're putting ben mclemore on this list for players who had potential that just never panned out i mean shit you can talk about the the rookie of the year of the strat that wasn't slapped in the top 10 who michael carter yeah Michael Carter Williams, man, what? He's like the meme, right? He's, he's like the perfect meme of someone who had their best season in their first season. And then from there, just kind of, they just kind of went downhill and shit. Yeah, I don't know. They, Philadelphia had no one, not a single resemblance of a competent NBA player on their team other than Michael Carter Williams. Hence why he was playing 35 fucking minutes a game in his rookie season. <laughs> yeah, but that's common now, right? Look at Scotty Barnes. Look at, look at Mobley. Look at Cade. They're all playing 30 plus minutes a game. Yeah, if you if the guy was shooting forty percent from the field and twenty six percent from three, realistically, he probably shouldn't be in the court that amount of you know that many minutes a game. But you know, it was the seventy six at the time. Twenty six percent from three. Holy shit, that's as bad as I mean, not as bad as Anthony Davis this season, but just it's pretty freaking close. Let, let's go. I want to go down this roster really quickly. The seventy sixes before we finish. So this is a seventy sixes roster, okay? Back in the two thousand thirteen fourteen season, okay. Tell me if you know any of these people. James Anderson. No. Brandon, no. Brandon Davies. Arnett Moultrie. Byron Mullins. Henry Sims. Adonis Thomas. Hollis Thompson. Jarvis Vernado. Casper Ware. Elliot Williams. Tony Roden. That is your team. Oh, hold on. Hold on. You're forgetting the future Raptor. Thaddeus. Yeah. <laughs> What team has he not been on? The corpse of Jason Richardson as well on that team. So, yeah, no shit. He was getting 35 minutes a game. Evan Turner. Spencer Hawes. Dwayne Dedman. That's the year after, my friend. What, 13-14? Right now. Evan Turner, baby. Ohio State. Evan Turner is a goddamn the greatest player to ever play the game of basketball. The villain. Did you did you ever read that book by Mark Titus? Which book? Do you know what it's called? Um, I can't remember the name of it. Essentially, he talks about just his journey from starting on the bench to finishing on the bench in college basketball. Playing oh, for Ohio State. yeah, for Ohio State. Yeah, 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 I did. I did. I, I did the yeah, audible Evan version. Turner and Mark Titus like, fucking hated each other, and uh, Mark Titus gave him the nickname The Villain. <laughs> yeah, so that's right. That's now, that is one of the best books, honestly. I, I love basketball books like that by players who you don't even really know. And then they tell you the, they tell you everything, right? They just spill the fucking beans on what it's like behind the scenes. I, I love those books. Don't put me in, coach, right? Yeah, that's it. I remember reading Club Trillion back in college. It was such a cool blog back in the day. Club <laughs> Trill. All right, guys. Thank before, you very much for listening. What? I was going to say, before we go, who's your? Uh, do you have a pick to win the NCAA March Madness bracket? Um, or do you know you didn't make one this year? It sounds like you didn't. No, I didn't, and I was happy I didn't after Kentucky lost because I think ninety nine percent of all the brackets fell off the face of the earth. 
They did, but I, I don't think anyone had Kentucky going all the way. It's just they were probably, I mean, probably favored to get to the elite or the Sweet 16, I would say, like, you know, or even Elite probably, Eight. I'm probably just going to go, like, with the savings peg for me, and that's Gonzaga. <laughs> you, like, you love your Chet, don't you? Yeah. Timmy. I don't Timmy know. You, you love Chet. This is going to be the Luka, the new Luka Doncic. You love Chet. I don't like him. Let's let's see if you can go two and zero, oh, or if I can go and even it up and make it one and one. But I think Chet ain't gonna make it. He ain't gonna cut it yeah, I don't in the like NBA. Chet. No, let, let's 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 make it clear here. First off, okay, I don't like Chet. Anyone that knows that Deacon Science is gonna get murdered in the NBA. But in college basketball, he's perfectly fine. I'm going. No, 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 no. Behind closed doors, you keep sending me shit about how great Chet looks and this and that. Stick up for your boy. I have a room, just it's like a serial killer's paradise for Chet Holmgren. I have like all these like posters. Um, I have like oh, a lifestyle version of them. Yeah, I have I have like a like a like a pillow, like a hum- a, a pillow made of Chet Holmgren, and I snuggle yeah, it. Every time I go over there, you make me light a candle in that shrine. It's really weird. I don't, I don't yeah. get it. <laughs> it smells like sweat, and um, <laughs> I don't know. I was, I was like, is he at Duke? I was gonna make some horrible joke about it. Uh, and, and mayonnaise. Chet probably eats a lot of mayonnaise. How do you get tall, kids? Eat a lot of mayo. I have them too, by the way. I have them beating my team, Kansas, in the finals. But, ooh, it's been quite a tournament. Ooh, Auburn yeah. should survive there. Well, we'll see what happens next Not- week. Um, hopefully, Greg, <laughs> hopefully Greg returns. Greg's in uh, sabbatical. He's currently in Laos um, fighting the good cause. So hopefully he comes back soon and – with that, guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, you can catch our podcast on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple, etc. Spotify, and of course, the Toronto Basketball Podcast Network. There we go. And we also wanted to thank DraftKings for the show as well. And uh, peace out, Toronto. See you, T-Dog. Yes, Miku, the man, the unsung hero.